And then there is another big challenge that is how to share data, how to integrate data, and how to extract useful information from the data, respecting privacy of the, the, the farmer, for example, or, uh, respecting ownership of data. So it's another challenge that we, we have, and that's uh, another topic that we, that we have a lot of discussions between individuals in university, in, in, in funding agencies and the industry. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry, one that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here, you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swine It Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Merck Animal Health, driven by prevention, AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production, NutriQuest, experts serving producers and delivering breakthrough solutions, Genesis, the first power in genetics, Gestal, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Odiseo provides programs and services to help producers achieve their targets in high quality, safe, and sustainable way. Every Pig, a simple yet powerful pig health and production management tool. Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance. Ivonic, we are sciencing the global food challenge. Minitube, the worldwide leading supplier of systems for the field of assisted animal reproduction. Welcome to the Swine It Podcast Show. I am Laura Greiner, your host for today's episode. This episode's sponsored highlight is about Gestal. Celebrating its 25th anniversary, Gestal manufactures the original wireless standalone swine feeding system. Designed by pork producers for pork producers. They are simple, reliable, and provide peace of mind 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Gestal is not just manufactured by an equipment company, but by a family pork production business with a slat-level understanding. Gestal, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Hello, I'm Laura Greiner, your host for today's Swine It podcast. Today, I have with me Guilherme Rosa from the University of Wisconsin with me today. Guilherme, how are you today? Good. Thank you very much for the invitation, Laura. Good, good. I'm glad you're doing well today. Guilherme is a professor at the uh, University of Wisconsin in Madison currently, and I would appreciate it if you could give our audience a little bit more information about yourself. Well, thank you again for the invitation. It's, it's an honor for me to be here speaking with the, your audience. So uh, I'm originally from Brazil and I have a BS uh, in, in animal science. And I, during my, my undergrad, I got interested in research. So I, I did a master's in animal breeding and genetics. So I was very much interested in, in animal breeding and quantitative genetics at that time. And then I, I got, I started getting more interested in the data analysis component of animal breeding and quantitative genetics. So I moved on to a PhD in statistics, applied statistics. And, and during my PhD, I came to the U.S., to the University of Wisconsin as a visiting scholar to do part of my, my research here. And then I went back to Brazil. I actually had a position as a, they 
call a kind of a system professor in Brazil in a bio, uh, department of biostatistics at Sao Paulo State University. So I need to go back and, and pay the time that I, I was uh, abroad. And then I was invited to come for a postdoctoral training. This was in 2000. So I came to the University of Wisconsin again to work on statistical genetics, uh, statistical genomics. And then I went back to Brazil to pay another time or another year down there. And then in 2002, I moved to the US. I was hired by Michigan State University. I was on the faculty there for four years, from 2002 to 2005, end of 2005. And then I was hired back here at the University of Wisconsin. So I did all the uh, academic steps of assistant professor, associate, and now I'm a full professor here. That's wonderful. Guilherme, could you share with the uh, group a little bit about some of the work that you're currently doing? So, as I said, I was interested and I started my career mostly in genetics. So I was working with data analysis applied to genetics. So uh, this statistical methods that we use to calculate like depths uh, for, for selection of animals. Uh, and then more recently with the genomics, so gene mapping and also the genomic selection approaches. But then within the, the, this animal breeding context, with these digital technologies and sensor technologies that allowed us to start measuring traits in a more efficient way or measuring uh, traits in a... Uh, some novel traits or, or better measured traits that we, we were interested. So what they call the high throughput phenotyping approach. So that's a transition that I, I, I had from the traditional animal breeding research that I used to do and work with companies as well towards more this uh, kind of sensor technology. So I was first interested in high throughput phenotyping, but then I got into this uh, topic that people call like precision livestock management or precision livestock uh, farming. So that's where I'm working now. So still focus on data analysis, computational approaches for you to analyze massive amounts of data. Uh, some with applications in, in animal breeding, but others are more in management. So early detection of disease, uh, optimal management of feeding of animals and so forth. That's where I'm working now. And that's exciting. I know that's um, those, you said two words today or two key phrases today that I think is something that we hear all the time right now, and that's big data and precision technology. And we certainly expect that that's going to continue in, in the ag industry. What would be some challenges that you see today with some of the experiences that you've had trying to incorporate precision ag and, and the big data technology into the ag systems? Well, I think there are many challenges, uh, but I, I think the prospects and the, the future is great. So. There are challenges because we need to train individuals that are capable to handle this kind of data. It's massive data, amounts of data that we, we gather now. And we need individuals so to, to handle it, to analyze. We need also 
to develop, the, adapt and develop sensor technology, digital tools that are that can be uh, used in, in farms. We we need to find ways to make it economically viable as well. So, so there are many things, very many different components, and we we see industry uh, first uh, universities working in this. Uh, Europe start earlier. I think U.S. was a little late, maybe a couple of years behind, but now uh, USDA, NSF, so that, that, that there are specific programs uh, funding research in this in this area. Uh, so universities are working on this. We are training students that are interested and will be uh, able to, to do this kind of uh, work for industry, and we see many companies working on this, large companies trying to develop their tools, and and many many startups. So we see many startups in the swine industry, beef and dairy, uh, and and trying to to develop new tools. And then there is another big challenge, that is uh, how to share data, how to integrate data. Uh, and, and how to extract useful information from the data, respecting privacy of the, the, the farmer, for example, or, uh, respecting ownership of data. And so it's another challenge that we, we have, and that's uh, another topic that we, that we have a lot of discussions between individuals in universities, in, in, in funding agencies, and the industry. Yeah, for sure. Those are definitely challenges. <laughs> I think when we, I think most of us understand precision technology. I think we've heard that enough. We know it's it's being exact, whether it's using the cameras to identify a sick animal or to predict growth rate and identify appropriate body weight. But when you say big data, maybe we should take a step back and, and talk about what kinds of parameters would you be collecting or, or pieces of information and what information would you get out of it? So you yeah. know, what would be our inputs and what would be the outputs for people that maybe aren't very familiar with it? Well, let me, let's step back a little bit. Let's say okay. big data. So we, we always, so people use this, uh, it's a buzzword now and, and people say, oh, we are using big data. So what is big data, right? There are different ways that should define, and, and, and overall, is of course it's a it's a data set that is it's big, so you have larger data sets. Uh, some some people say it's a data set that you cannot open in Excel. Excel is the the traditional worksheet that we use, for example, in, in from Microsoft. So, but big data, I would say that. It's not only the amount of data that you have, it's the complexity of data. So you have uh, different sources of data that you want to merge. Uh, the data from different sources, they come in different structures. So you may have one source of data uh, sending you images. There is another source of image sending you uh, weather data. And another one, and it comes in come in different formats in terms of the the data structure. So you need to bring all this together. Uh, so it, it it is the different sources of data, different structures, 
you may have data coming in in a in a in a in real time, like in sensor technology, or you may be getting data uh, from uh, management uh, farm management software. So you you collect a whole cycle of data in terms of growth, in terms of feed consumption, and then you analyze. So you have these two two kind of analysis also that is the historic the historical data so you collect data for a few years you you want to to look at the for example what are the key factors affecting the the, the production system things that you could change for example to to improve so what kind of feed there what kind of uh, what are the meals that are you know, uh, providing you better feed uh, facilities, equipment, and so forth, weather uh, variables. So this is very important, and we see that the livestock is behind what people are doing in in, in agriculture with crop, for example. Not, of course, there is a, a extra level of complexity in, in, in livestock, but let's say in crop, they, for example, you have companies like FBN, for example. So you have a network of farmers uh, sending data back to the to the company, so the FBN, and they mine this data. So they look at what kind of seeds the farmers use, when they seed, fertilizer, irrigation, how was the weather. So once they harvest and they know, like yield, for example, they have the whole winter to analyze this data. And then they make predictions and also recommendations for next year. They say, you should use this kind of seed. You should seed this time of the year. And these are how you should manage in your crop. So in, in, in livestock, it's much more complex because we don't have this compartment. Like the, the, the cycle is you have this overlap and also a delay of things. Like you, you change the diet today, you are going to see an effect maybe uh, a few months or maybe a couple of years later, depending if you are talking about growth, finishing or, or reproduction of sows, for example. So it's much more complex. So that's understandable why we are behind what agriculture is doing, but that's what we are trying to accomplish. So collecting data from a group of farmers. So you have the software, the farm management software, collecting data from the farm. And then we combine these with satellite images, with weather data, soil information, forage, depending on the species, if it's beef, grazing beef, dairy, uh, pigs, poultry. So that's the idea, to collect data uh, and mine. And this kind of analysis can help you to make predictions. So how much you should expect in terms of production, uh, feed efficiency, mortality, and so forth. And, and you can also, like I said, to, to find what are the factors affecting the, this, the, the whole system so that you can make interventions to improve the system. So this is one group of, uh, uh, of data approach that we use with the, historic, the historical data. But then there is this real time with the, the advent of sensor technology and computer vision. So now we have a real time management 
and the data comes in real time, you need to process and take decisions in real time. So you are looking at the uh, timing for like breeding time or feeding time, detection of disease, early signs of disease. So that's another different area that we still in the context of big data, uh, but different approaches of uh, computer and statistical approach that we use for these two groups of data sets. And they are complementary, complement, complementary and, and, and quite often happen together. Are you ready for the most innovative web conference of the swine industry? Swine Talks, the TED Talks of the global swine industry on October 6th and 7th, 2021, with over 25 internationally renowned speakers who will deliver powerful and engaging talks. Reserve now your spot at swinetalks.com. And that's what I was hearing you say was all the descriptions that you were providing sounded like we were basically setting up for some modeling um, with our information, of course, on, on the one side. Um, but when I think about what happens in the swine industry, um, you know, pigs are in a barn for six months and we change the diet seven, eight times just in the natural course of, of the pig's lifetime from weaning to market. And then maybe we have a disease outbreak in there or production changes their ventilation designs. And, and so we have a lot of variables going, right? All the time in animal production. And so my question, I guess, is when we think about modeling and creating some useful pieces of information with the constant changing of production practices, we would have to have an enormous amount of data to get a predictable model. Is that correct? Am I thinking about that the right yes, way? Yes, yes. And we need always to understand that when you analyze data, well, depend on the on the on the, the object. So there are three main kind of objects that we have when we analyze data. One is to summarize the data. And just, I mean, because if you give me a, a worksheet with uh, 3 million rows and 50,000 columns, I cannot see anything, right? Can, so you try to summarize uh, variables and look for means and variance. You, you plot uh, those values. You look for tables to summarize. So this is the what we call descriptive analysis, right? So it's like... A, uh, so you take uh, your your bank account statement and you just look at how much you have in your account or what were the the the, the checks that were uh, that came in and came out or you look at your 401k and you see those pie uh, plots telling you how much you have in stocks how much you have in bonds and so forth this is a description the second level is predictions so you are trying to make predictions now so if you go back to the, the stock market now you are looking at graphs and trying to predict if the prices are going up or down if you are and then it helps you to take decisions because you need to decide if you are buying or if you are going to sell and in livestock you you need to take you, you want to know the price of the soybean and the corn you want to keep track of price of, of, of the meat, and then you 
you make predictions. So you, there are models that help you to make predictions. And then there is another set of uh, models that we use that when you try to find what is causing what, right? So, for example, I can predict or, or realize that the, an animal is sick because I saw that the, the body temperature went up. So fever is a good prediction, predictor of a disease. But if you, if you don't know that the fever is a consequence of the disease, it's not the cause, because it, it doesn't matter if you treat the fever, the, the, you're going to lower the body temperature, but you're not solving the problem. The, the, the animal is sick. You need some antibiotics, right? So that's what happens. When you have many variables, like you were mentioning, so there are confounding variables. So maybe there is one that is highly associated with whatever you are interested, like the feed efficiency or mortality, but it's not the, the cause of that, 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 that variable that you are observing. So that's another set of uh, statistical tools that are sophisticated, actually, for you to try to disentangle what is causing what, what is just association, is spurious association, and so forth. So there are these three, these three kind of uh, uh, groups of models. Okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think so much of what we do today when we think about data collection, it's all retrospective. Right, because unless we're in a barn and we're weighing the animals or have a way to record feed, it's retrospective. This yes. is what happened at the end. Um, yeah. And we also think about the data. Um, it's sometimes hard to get people in the farm to make notes of ventilation was changed today from winter ventilation to spring ventilation or, yeah. you know, filters were taken out of the barns. Right, those those types of pieces of information that could actually be very useful um, when we're trying to look at, at the big model. Yeah. So I think that's where maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's where the precision technology really starts to feed into this. Because yeah. if I have the cameras in the barn or the sensors in the barn, they can of course keep better records of temperatures and they can record weight. And yeah. if we can get there, carcass gain on a feed efficiency level daily, right? So if I yeah. make a change within two to three weeks, I should be able to know if I've influenced the barn rather than waiting till they go to market. Would that be yeah. a, a fair statement? Yeah, yeah exactly. So I, I, we, we start talking about the data analysis and maybe the potential application, but all this depends on very good data collection right so first of all so if it's any uh, farmer or listener is is, is uh, wondering how to get started on this first think about the data that you collect uh, and the quality of the data and then once you start analyzing the data you may realize that there are some key in information that you need to start collecting that you are not so we had a, a data analysis that we performed with one big company, one big producer in, in Iowa, where we had some characterization of facilities in terms of uh, ventilation, size, the density of animals, but we didn't have much. So we analyzed the data with those factors that we knew, the variables that we, we had information, but we 
also look for how much variation there was between farms and between barns that were not explained by those variables that we had in the model. And it was the majority, like 70% of the, the variation was not yet explained by the variables that we had available. So then came the idea of running a survey to try to describe better the, the equipment and the management approach in each of the farms and, and, and barns to, to, to learn more about what is working fine, what can be improved and so forth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a very good point because today when we think about a barn, we record um, medications, right? Which, which animal, it might not even be specific on our sheets as to animal, but maybe a pen, right? How many animals within this pen did I treat? and what medications, um, whether it's on our electronic ventilation controller or we write it on a piece of paper, we write the high and the low temperature, um, we write some daily observations down and, and that's really about it, right? And, yeah. and so I think that's a very good point and that might be actually a little bit of a limiting step for, for some people when they start thinking about how much information they would have to write down to make it be relevant and, and give them information back that would be useful. Yeah. So do you have some tips on, on what types of information, if you're getting started, would be good pieces to start with? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult to, to, to recommend anything because all depends on the objective, right? So if you, if you are interested in, in improving feed efficiency, uh, growth, and... and, and and maybe market decision, and you realize that uh, monitoring body weight and body composition would be uh, the way to go, and then the sensor technology using computer vision maybe uh, what, what, what you need. But quite too often there are other things that you can do that may help you, and it's, it's, it's even easier to get started. So this kind of analysis that we did with this this company was uh, so you first so you start with what you have available and then you try to to understand or figure what else we, we could, where where we could improve in terms of data collection in new variables that you want to collect or how often you need to assess that specific variable and so I would say it's important to get started I mean if you have uh, uh, someone who, like a company that uh, sells nutrition or uh, feed or, or or medication, and they can provide some some help on 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 their analysis, or you can collaborate with someone in a university and have a first look at the data, see what 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 you have there, and 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 go for go for go from there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very good point. And I think that's something that's very true. Um, when we think big data, I think it's it's an easy concept for the larger companies because they have a large number of barns and a large number of pigs to get data very quickly. But can small producers use big data? Is it possible? Yeah. So that's the one big one, very important component that we think in terms of all these technologies that are coming in terms of the, the sensor technology and in terms of data analytics 
is how we benefit most with this when you think about larger producers, smaller producers, or even uh, farmers in developing, uh, the developing countries. So, but for sure, all this technology can help all levels. It's just the way we, 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 we should adapt and find ways for, for, to use this with different, different farms. So while a big company uh, can, can pay for sometimes developing in-house some of these things or, or hiring a, a provider, a service provider, others should maybe organize in terms of uh, co-ops or associations and, and do this. Uh, and in terms of data, and also, I mean, data analysis, it's, it's not expensive, I would say. Even small farmers would, would, would be able to, to participate. But again, you need, you mentioned that the, the need of having a lot of data for you to be able to learn what are the interesting associations, what is uh, really important or not, a spurious association. So this idea of networks of farmers, like we just mentioned in the crop uh, area, uh, I think that's how we need to go. So when you look at more fragmented uh, industries like dairy care or beef care, or, there is no way, I mean, to go if not working together with other farms. When you look at pigs, you have, it's, it's variable, you may have big producers like companies with hundreds of farms and you may have small farmers. So again, those that have a cluster of farmers can implement something sophisticated on the, their own. Uh, some other smaller farmers may need to get together or have a, a service provider that helps this building this network where people send in data and get information back. I think that's a very good point. So we do currently have people that maybe are in a buyer's group or a selling group. That might be a very good place to start, to line those people up, to start collecting their data and bringing it together. So what if we have someone today who's really excited about big data and they wanna start putting their company into some type of a big data system to start getting some information back. Where's the next step? I mean, I know we talk a lot about it and there are a few groups doing it, but what's the next step for our producers? Who do they reach out to to, to start that process? Like I mentioned before, there are so many different tools, uh, some like for monitoring real time, the behavior of animals, the feed management, some in terms of analyzing like historical data, like I said, there was retrospective analysis. So depending on, on, on the interest, uh, there are some startups that you can look for, some like for, for uh, body weight monitoring in beef, in dairy, in pigs. There are some startups that you can uh, contact. If it is uh, interesting more in, in maybe getting uh, the retrospective analysis, maybe a good approach would be to, to approach a university uh, faculty and see how they could do. We are very interested in this. We are uh, 
I'm working in two ways, yes, two, two, two components. One is more the, the research and we look for grants from the from the, the from national funding agencies mostly, but sometimes industry as well. And we look for partnership with producers. So we need the data and we need funding. And we we and we have the expertise. So these are the three components working together that can do beautiful things. And the other is that we we actually are uh, start we have a startup or we, in the computer vision area, and we are developing different tools to monitor behavior, to identify and keep track of animals, all using images and and feed management. And, and so forth. So the same way we have a startup, there are some other startups with pigs, with beef, with dairy, and it's our one thing is talk to them and see what they they provide. If fits you, if you you may try to see if because there are of course there are. It's like in big data. Everybody says that they are doing big data, and everybody says they have sensors that are going to make you rich. So you need farmers, of course, they are very much fit on ground. They want to say, okay, well, what is the return on investment? So whenever someone offers something to you, you start small. I mean, let me try. So install this equipment here. I'll, I'll see how it works. And if it, if it looks good, then we expand. Yeah? Don't jump uh, whole body directly or, or, or head down because uh, you never know. Huh? Right. Uh, I know very serious and uh, people working in this and some others that are just uh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a very good point. There's certainly a lot of discussion out there of camera technology and and people interested in doing it so definitely do your homework from what yes, i'm hearing you say exactly. ask the appropriate questions make sure it's a company that that can give you the information that you need even a startup company should be able to talk to you about where their core values or core goals are and make sure they line up with what with what you want your business to to have from an informational standpoint exactly good well um looks like we're kind of wrapping up on our, our little time of discussion. So are there any uh, key takeaway points you would like our audience to have today? Very, very interesting. I'm excited with this, uh, this new era of uh, precision livestock farming. I think it's going to help the whole industry because uh, Cons uh, consumers are concerned about the well-being of animals. They want to know where their food is coming from. Uh, they want to make sure that uh, uh, if there is, I mean, uh, the traceability, if there is any disease outbreak, we are going to get in time. So all this technology helps us accomplish this. And then precision feeding, precision reproduction. There are so many applications where I see this technology helping us improve this, the efficiency of our production and, and, and you decrease waste, for example, feed management. If you optimize feed management, for example, the mixing of diets and the amount of feed that you serve to animals, 
So you decrease the waste of feed, so contributes to the, the environmental sustainability also. So it's, it's, it's good. And then another component is that we see the young people quite often moving from the, the, their family farms to the cities. They don't want to stay in the farm. So I think this technology will also help keeping the young people in the farms because now they see that the same technology that they are using in, in self-driven cars we are using to monitor animals, to identify individuals, to monitor their the behavior and so forth. So it's computer science, it's engine, uh, biological engineering. So there are so many. So the need will be there and hopefully the interest from young uh, people will come as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think you bring up some great points. Huh? how big data and sensor technology or precision technology can, of course, improve our sustainability and agriculture across the world. Certainly, it helps provide that information to the consumer, which we didn't even talk about today. And, and I do like your point as well about keeping our, our young um, adults invested in agriculture, even if it's in a little different way than maybe what you and I might know as, as conventional ag, right? Being being there with their phones and their computers and talking facial recognition and, and some of the, the really amazing technology that's there. So I think those are, are great points, Guillerme. It is time to our famous three. Genesis is the largest independent producer of high healthy registered purebred swine on the globe, having over 80% of all registered purebred breeding stock in Canada. The Genesis Genetic Program uses genomic selection strategies focused on productivity, faster growth, efficiency, high yield, and meat quality. To know more, go to Genesis.com. That's G-E-N-E-S-U-S dot -E -S com. For knowledge and news from the global swine industry, access our partner, thepigsite.com. As we kind of wrap up today, we do like to ask a couple of questions from our guest speaker. Uh, the first one we like to ask is, do you have a particular resource book that you use a lot in your profession that you would recommend to, to our listeners? Because I, I work across the species, I quite often have, I mean, I, for, for pigs, for example, uh, if I, I have specific, I, 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 uh, podcasts are interesting. So, so there are two things. I, I mean, when I, I want to listen to things that I, I don't, I'm not looking for a specific question or answer. I just want to listen to what people, what kind of ideas people have. So podcasts are very interesting. And when I have a specific question, so I'm working, developing a tool to help feed management, and I want to look at the specifics in terms of feeding. So then I go to specific books or, or, National Pork Producers Council and look for material there and so forth. Wisconsin Pork Association is another place. So websites I use a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, still very good. And, yeah. and we've had other guest speakers say the same thing. They they like to find the bits and pieces all over wherever wherever the the best information is. Um, yes. So 
When you're not working on big data and precision technology, are there any books or resources that you enjoy in your free time that, that aren't specific to your career? I like grilling. I like, uh, so coming from Brazil, our style, it's a lot of beef, but also pork and, and poultry and, and grill, right? Open fire and, and, and the beef is mostly the Texan, Texan approach, like uh, direct fire. So the tree flavor, so the, the crusty outside, the fat and the, and the medium rare inside. But now that here, especially during this, this year of COVID lockdown, one of my sons and I, he, he loves grilling us. He, for, 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 for birthday, he asked uh, a sausage grind, a meat grinder, grinder, grinder and sausage maker, and he got. And then my birthday comes one month after him. I said, I want a, a smoking a smoker. And my wife gave me. So now we are studying a lot of this. And we are smoking fish and pigs a lot. And now our own sauces. Uh, we do have some Italian recipes like Tos uh, uh, Calabresa and Toscana. So that's what I'm studying now. So wow. how to smoke and how to different recipes for sausage. <laughs> Sounds like I might need to make a trip up to Wisconsin sometime, yes, right? Yes, <laughs> you're welcome to come. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a great, a great thing to do, especially with your family to to connect yeah. and to have some was enjoyable a good thing time for together. us during this this time, this tough time of of COVID. Yes, yes, I I didn't make a lot of bread over COVID. I already knew how to make bread, but we learned to make lots of new recipes. So, um, yeah, cooking was was the one way our family connected too. So. I think that's a great, great thing to do. The, the last question I have for you really is about um, when you think about people in your profession within the industry and you think about them as successful. So imagine somebody that you think is successful. What would be a couple of key qualities or characteristics that you would identify that would you think would make them successful? Yes. Well, we always look for people that want to accomplish, want to achieve, so the achievers, right? So you, 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 when I recruit students or when I see friends that are successful, we always see there's individuals that want to do something different and they, are, they don't wait things to happen. They, they go and chase for their dreams. But now, well, one thing that I see, and, uh, and when you have kids, you are always looking for what is the best way to raise your kids and what you want them to know. One thing that I, I believe it's, it's, it was always important, but it's becoming more and more important is the social skills, right? Because things nowadays are so complex. I mean, uh, when you... Think about any kind of like precision livestock. You, you are going to have a multidisciplinary group working. It's impossible for someone to know the engineering component, the, the, the computer science component, the, the livestock production component, the statistical. So it's always a group of people. And, and, and many things that we used to do, probably in the future, the computer will do and the robotics uh, will do. But 
So what we need is people that people that know how to work together, how to take the maximum of each other. So team builders. So the social, the soft skills, I think it's it's always important, but it's going to be even more important. And one thing that I read these days is that when you look at uh, like ten years, ten year old and younger people, the sixty percent of these individuals they are going to work on a specific job that doesn't exist today. So how you prepare someone to work on something that you don't know what's going to be. So, so I think it's very important for, for, for us when we, we raise kids is to give the, the, the basics of uh, like citizenship and social skills. And then in terms of academics, the math, the biology, the the language or the history and then other things will come depending on what where where they land because we don't know where they are going to land mm-hmm. that's a very good point it's an excellent excellent point i was not aware of that statistic 60 percent it's more or less i don't 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 write down the numbers but it's something like this two-thirds of the individuals 10 or, or 12 and below will work on things that we don't the jobs that don't exist now very interesting yeah it's exactly right how do you prepare someone so i think creating that foundation is is always key to success absolutely (laughs) well again for our audience today this is guilherme rosa and guilherme is from the university of wisconsin madison and uh, we do appreciate your time today thank you very much thank you very much laura it was a pleasure to talk to you yeah take care bye bye Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of nutrition on this online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding by Dr. Marcio Gonsalves and his world-class invited swine nutritionists. Additionally, you will enjoy an exclusive community to network and exchange ideas. Go now to EliteSwineNutritionist.com.